0: Here is a world of imagination, hopes, and dreams. In this timeless land of enchantment, the age of chivalry, magic, and make-believe are reborn, and fairy tales come true. Fantasyland is dedicated to the young in heart, to those who that when you wish upon a star Your dreams come true. Hello and welcome to episode 341 of Under the Call of MS, a comics and MS episode. I'm going to start off with a little pile of comics we got here. These are from the 30-pack of horror comics and 30-pack of comedy comics that I picked up. When I placed an order at my comic shop a little while back, we're getting through some more of the comics from that pile. First one we're going to talk about is from Innovation Comics Anne Rice's The Vampire Lestat. number Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Uh this is done in 1991. It's number 9 of 12. I know I have a few oh, like two or three other issues in my stack of comics from back in the day that I don't think I ever read. I don't think I could have forgotten reading this style uh storyline based on the vampires. In this one, we get a little history of a character that I don't recall, Mariusis. This is Mariusis' story, M-A-R-I-U-S, apostrophe S. He seems like a historian, a vampiric historian. He likes to write about what's going on. And keep track of all that stuff. And so over the hundreds of years that he could have been alive, he could have basically did a lot of historian-style work and it kind of gives you that whole reasoning behind the movie, The Vampire List, where you get that feel of them Tom Cruise. (laughs) Can't remember who the vampires were in that movie. Uh, Wasn't it like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise or something like that? A couple pretty boys, that's all I know. And uh, it made me just think that maybe that's the basis of the whole overall story is we've had historians over the years that have been turned by vampires and that's why the vampire Lestat story is based on the writer being forced to write about what's going on and what these vampires dealt with in their past and seen and all that stuff. And then, of course, if you watch the movie at the end of the movie, the historian or the writer is driving away and all of a sudden the vampire pops up from the back seat and attacks him. Turns him, probably. Makes him their new historian. uh, Or another one of their historians. Which would make it more interesting in the long run if they're cataloging and keeping track of history throughout the years and telling the real truths about what actually did happen because they were alive during those timeless events. But the one thing about this whole vampire, well, this whole Anne Rice storyline, she likes to have these vampires that got, like, no internal organs left. They're all mummified looking, all nasty looking, all decayed. just creepy little characters hiding in the dark. And in this one, we get one that's got some purple and white hair. And just pretty much the body is all decayed other than that. Then we get another interesting character with a decayed body in here. And you get to hear their storylines and what's going on with all this stuff. Uh, They do have a thing in the cover that says, This is the age of innocence. True innocence. All of your demons are visible. All of your demons are material. Call them pain. Call them hunger. Call them war. Mythic evil you don't need anymore. Drive out the vampires and the devils with the gods you no longer adore. Remember, the man with the fangs wears a cloak. What passes for charm is a charm. Understand what you see when you see me. Interesting book, though. I just liked how it brought in that m- character and talked about him writing history throughout the years and talking about it. The Miri, Mary, Mirius, Mirius character. So that was interesting. I'm looking forward to reading the other ones I have and getting some more, I'm sure, down the, in the future. But it's not something I'm going to go run out and go looking for. And then we have a uh, thing I didn't like about Anne Rice's vampires. Is they're too pretty. <laughs> they're <laughs> When they're closer to humanity, they're more fied vampires when they're further away from closer to death than they're just all mummified nasty looking characters. Alright, next one up from the comedy portion pile, we got it. Disney's DuckTales from Kaboom. This is number one. So that was a nice start up, getting a startup one for it is Rightful Owners, Part 1, Many Happy Returns. We get to see good old Uncle Scrooge parachuting into an event. And the event just happens to be him opening a museum of all the good Interesting little uh, items that he's supposedly collected, more like stolen throughout the years from tribes and people he came across and made deals with him for the items that he wanted and then gave them something that seemed... Valuable, but wasn't really valuable in the right form. So the kid kitties find out about this. The Huey Dewey Louie and the girl. I uh, can't think of her name, but uh, Webby, I think, is her nickname but I'm pretty sure that's not her actual name, but that's what they like to call her. And of course we got, with it being DuckTales, you gotta have Launchpad in here, Launchpad's flying his plane all over the place, destroying stuff and having his issues as usual. But Webby and the boys decide that Uncle Scrooge should give back all his riches and this other character is... other rich duck character happens to push for it. And there's also some issues with this far court far court character throughout here throughout this storyline. But John D. Rucker duck is the other rich duck. He has something up his sleeve, but we get to see a good chunk of story in here. These all have a good variety. You get your money's worth for these comics, that's for sure. Well, actually, this one was $3.99 in 2011, which seems kind of expensive. That's more like today's prices. But I remember getting them for a lot cheaper than that, the ones I read back in the day. And then we got Jim Butcher's The Dresden Dresden Files, number four by Dynamite. This is, uh, called Full Moon is the storyline in this one. I've watched the Dresden Files, but never read anything from them. I know they got a good variety of things out there. Dresden Files Full Moon by Jim Butcher. Harry Dresden is the only wizard... In Chicago's phone book and on call with the special investigation unit of the Chicago PD. Lately, business is picking up. And this character likes to be nude a lot. And I constantly got him drawn up naked or half naked. And this one happens to be a werewolf storyline. So. Of course that relates right into it. Because when they turn they get their clothes torn and end up waking up the next morning almost naked or fully naked after running through the night haunting people, attacking people, whatever. But yeah, this is a interesting look at the Dresden character. I'm it's just as good as this TV show that i seen back in the day or movie. I can't remember what it was, but I remember enjoying it. And this is a great story to go along with it. I'm looking forward to checking out some more. I just, I'm not big on the werewolf stories anymore. So I would have rather had some other type of character, creature, whatever, demon that he was dealing with. Then we have, next up, Stephen King, The Dark Tower. The Gunslinger Born is the headline of this one. It's number five of seven. This is one book that I actually did read back in the day, the Dark Tower series. I got to three books in, and while waiting for the fourth book to come out, I just got bored... Waiting and never got back into the story, but always wanted to. But now they have it in comic form, so I was happy to see that. And this is my first introduction to it in comic form. But being number five of seven, I'm missing a lot of the story. Let's see. In a world that has moved on, the young gunslinger Roland Deshane has left his home in Gilead at his father's behest. To avoid the devilish reach of the sorcerer called Martin Broadclock, Roland has traveled to the Barony of Hambry with his quittet of friends, Elaine and Cuth- Cuthur- Cuthbert, Cuthbert, assuming false identities on the way. As the trio travels, Roland meets and falls in love with Susan Delgado, whose father was killed by Hambry's new deputies. The Big Coffin Hunters, led by the white haired Eldred Jonas. Speaking of white hair, I gotta take the White Hair Society out to play cards today. I gotta pick up five of the old ladies take to the card games. Should be interesting, the stories and the chatter that I'll hear. Uh, Susan has been promised to the mayor of Hambury. As, as his concubine. A fate that is unbearable to her. Oh, well, no shit. And to Roland. Obviously her lover. Unbeknownst to everyone, Susan has been hypnotized by the witch Rhea. When Susan loses her virginity, she will do something. Something known only to Rhea. Roland and his catette learn that Hambry is under the control of the evil John Farson, enemy of the affiliation commanded by Roland's father. Farson's lieutenant, George Letigo, oversees a refinery that is producing oil to power evil machines that will be used to destroy the affiliation. To prevent this catastrophe, Roland and his cadet have hatched a plan, but first Roland seeks out Susan once more. Meanwhile, Mayor Thorin has forced himself on his soon-to-be wife. In tears, Susan flees to the nearby hills. Where the story picks up, and her and her alternate relationship cross paths, and we get a lot of things about that. We get a huge... Uh like storyline it's it's some heavy reading the laughing mirror part 2 the seduction of Rhea you get that storyline of this young girl who's treated like crap and put through her own hell that's in here it's like about 6 pages of storyline you get some nice pencil work artwork in here and you also get a multi-page uh, Stephen King panel. It's part three of his panel. So, obviously, in the earlier ones, you got more of that. So, if you want a little Stephen King panel, that's in here. So, you definitely get your money's worth. But, uh, I really liked how they did this. I'm looking forward to getting the rest of The Dark Tower comics, which could be many if you're going to push it out through all the Dark Tower books. so We will see what I come across, and I'll read them as I get them. Next up, we got Walt Disney's comics by Boom Kids. This is number 699. Came out in September 2009. But we get to see... Scrooge McDuck and his little security system dealing with some interesting characters trying to get into his money, and they just so happened to get teleported to another place that was controlled by another interesting character. And along the way, Scrooge has to recruit some of his own characters to help him out. But this is the beginning of the story and it's going to go deeper, but it was a lot of fun watching this little Duck Avengers style group of characters just happen to form up. I mean, we get Super Donald, we get Super Duck, we get Daffy, Daphne, and it's just a variety of characters in their superhero forms get introduced to us in that one, which is nice. Then we got Walt Disney's Donald and Mickey. Number 19. I don't know why it says premiere issue when it's number 19. But in this one, we get to see Donald Duck dealing with a fishing tournament and happens to deal with the professor duck and... Gets some interesting worms that the professor has been raising and growing. And they have unique abilities that help them do some fishing. Uh, it was a very, very fun story. Uh, I had a blast with that one. Then there's a little goofy story in here. Who, 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 who? the mixed up teapot where he finds an Aladdin style teapot and has a dream and just kind of crosses that dream with the Aladdin teapot with another, with teapop, teapot with another type of story from back in those days. You have the nursery rhyme stories and stuff and they, Cross this one over with something else other than the Aladdin one. And you get to see what happens. We got a little short story about Pluto dealing with a basketball. Pluto the dog. Mickey's dog. Then we have Mickey and the sleuth. A little museum mystery, wax museum mystery story. That Mickey the mouse. Mickey Mouse and... This other sleuth character to deal with and figure out what's all happening. That was a lot of fun. And then sticking with that realm, we got Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse Number Two Hundred and Fifty-One by Gladstone Comics. In this one, Mickey is a bellhop and. We have issue 251 and 253, so we get the beginning of the story and the end of the story. It's a three-part story called Bellhop De- Detective, and it just so happens that we don't have the one in between, which you, we don't need, but I still want to know what happened in the middle part. I can pretty much guess, but it's a lot of fun seeing Mickey being this bellhop, getting treated Bad by other people from the hotel management and desk people. And there just happens to be this detective guy that keeps sneaking into their building and looking at the rooms. The three uh, Casper-style ghosts, the evil ghost, happen to be in this one. Uh, customers are getting scared out of their rooms in the middle of the night and stuff. Lots of stuff's happening throughout this that Mickey has to deal with. And it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of characters, a lot of things happening. it ends up being kind of like your standard sleuthy kind of mystery thing where in the end you get everybody in a room and you tell them what happened and who... Who killed who, or who robbed who, or who was the bad guy? It's just Orient on the, or Murder on the Orient Express style layout with the investigators. But it, it was a lot of fun. I'm I, Even though I know the whole story, I still want the issue that comes in between. So hopefully, I'll, eventually, I'll get my hands on it. But, yeah, that's it for the comics. That's all we have for today. A nice little stack of goodies that were in those two 30-packs. Like I said, I got 30-pack of humor comics for $10. I got 30-pack of horror comics for $13. That was definitely worth the $23. And so far, I have a couple Donald Duck ones. And I can't remember what the other one was from my horror comics. That were ones I didn't care about that are in my cell pile. But pretty much, I'd say 85-90% of the comics I got will be keepers. And then just a couple that might be duplicates or... I know I'm coming up on some Ghost Rider and stuff and I don't really give haven't enjoyed any hardly any of the ghost Rider runs I've read in recently so I probably won't keep those uh, I think there's a, a couple Nickelodeon style ones that I don't care about but we will see and we'll let you know the ones we do re- read and we'll review them and let you know what we think of them Uh. Sadly, as we know, Bob Saget passed away not long ago. It ends up that it was head trauma and bleeding out in the brain. I don't know what caused the head trauma or what because he was doing a comedy show and then he was in his hotel. so not sure what it could have been a long time time back and just slowly leaked out or whatever. but sadly we lost him because of that, but thankfully it was nothing controversial or anything like that. He's a good guy, keep him in the good graces, but uh, it was interesting because after he passed, two more podcast episodes popped up on Bob's Say it's here for you, podcast. Uh, I think Margaret Cho was one, and Dane Cook was the other guest that he talked to. But if you want to check it out go to bob say it's here for you podcast and get check out the last couple of episodes the family had bill burr and bill burr introduce them the beginning of the episodes since bob was gone and it's just a nice little thing that they did that they allowed him to finish off those podcasts and get them out there so we still had a little bit more of bob to listen to it took me a while to listen to both of them, because I wanted it to last as as long as possible, so I could hear him for a while yet, but Uh, and then the other thing that I can think of is uh, Kevin Smith is asking people about a Smodcast cruise Uh, if they'd be interested, who you They'd do the cruise with the whole Smodcast crew and what things they'd want to see on the cruise. And I filled out the questionnaire because I can't go to concerts. I can't go to big events and all that stuff. But me and the wife, we could sit on a cruise ship and go to little events. I could get around in a wheelchair if I needed to or whatever. And we could go to all the events on the ship and enjoy the the whole week or whatever on a cruise and hanging out with the Smodcast gang. It would be fun if we had a group of people, group of the characters that I really enjoy having stuff going on and live podcast and all that going on. But yeah, ask you like five things that you'd like to see on the cruise: different acts or performers or whatever. And the things I put in is, of course, the Rolf report. I want Rolf doing the Rolf report and having the gang, a couple of the guys there from the show. Uh, And, of course, tell them Steve, Dave. I'd love to see the TESD crew there. I have a feeling you ain't going to get Walt on there, but who knows? It's a cruise. You might be able to sneak him in, get the family to go on a cruise. And then my other three were Anthrax. I'd love to see Anthrax. There is one of the musical talents. I'd like to see Brian Pazane there because of his comic book uh, connections and his stand-up and all that. I could see that being a, a fun show to go to. And Chris Jericho. hey The thing times that him and Kevin Smith did talk together, they clicked so well, I'd like to see them do something, who knows, we could even do something paranormal or something like that, having Chris on there, and I'm sure they could come up with something, or Chris could even do some type of wrestling event on the cruise ship, that would be great too, and, um, but, yeah, yeah. I would definitely consider it going on that cruise if they did it. So we'll see what happens in the future if we hear more about it. But I'm running out of time in this first segment. I'm going to end this here, and I'm going to get back to you with the MS Health stuff right after this. give you one more Walt Disney quote before I go. Whatever you do, do it well. Do it so well that when people see you do it, they will want to come back and see you do it again, and they will want to bring others and show them how well you do what you do. Do do do. Talk to you see, see soon. Bye now. Okay, let's talk some MS Health stuff. Uh, starting off. It is the middle of February. March is Multiple Sclerosis Awareness Month. It's all of March. Wear your orange. Or represent your orange online or whatever. And help people maybe learn a little bit. Understand a little bit more about multiple sclerosis. Do your advocating. Do what you can to get the word out. And I have not seen nothing for the 2022 Art Showcase through the Multiple Sclerosis Association of America, MSAA.org, or my MSAA.org Art Showcase. 2021 was the last one that they have up. There's nothing about 2022 yet. So I'm kind of curious what's going on with it. I've been waiting to hear something about it. It's usually this time of year we hear something on it. And then May... Oh Christ, I can't remember what day it is. Is it May 28th? That's National MS Day. Uh, someday in... May, I can't remember it now. But uh, representing March, I'm going to try again to get our local news stations to maybe mention something MS-related at least once in the month of March. I don't understand why I was unable to get them to do anything last year. You would think they'd want to promote stuff like that. They need something to talk about on the news other than the stupid shit they have been talking about. Uh, and then we also have a lot of the fundraising events are starting up with spring around the corner. You got bike MS you can research stuff on. There's challenge walks. then of course the normal walk MS uh, we have... So far this year in Depeer, they have theirs April 24th, Sheboygan, and these are all in Wisconsin. Sheboygan, Wisconsin has it on April 24th. Appleton has it April 30th. Kenosha, Racine has theirs April 30th also. Milwaukee is May 1st. Wausau is May 14th. Madison is May 15th. Brookfield is May 21st. Lacrosse is May 21st. And Janesville. Janesville is May 22nd. Uh, we usually have in my county, Fonlach County, we ha- usually have our walk in the beginning to mid-May. But I have not seen any registration or sign-up stuff or got my information sent to me yet this year. So I'm kind of wondering what's i have a feeling some of them are getting put through that virtual thing where you can walk inside your house for so far and that represents going on the ms walk uh stuff like that they did because of covid the last couple years so i have a feeling that some of them are canceled because of that because they should be on the list bonlack's one of the first ones to announce i usually get my packet from them early like in january right away uh the m s snow tour that was on january twenty seventh of twenty twenty two up in lactu flamboulu flamboo wisconsin uh i don't know why they don't do something with the uh eagle river racetrack with snowmobile races do some type of ms charity event once a year i'd like to see that might have to push for that see what we can get going but that one's over for this year but next january you can get in the snow snowmobile tour if you want just prepare ahead of time at least this way you know about it uh, but yeah, I, I'm i not a promoter of the whole fundraising, organization, donation type thing. I, I'm against it. I promote it. I do it. But I'm not happy with it because I know that 90% of the money does not touch the hands of what the fundraisers are for anyways. A lot of it ends up in other people's pockets, I'm sure. And I can't say for certain. I don't have direct evidence. But I'm not seeing these amounts going. And then we do these big-ass events. And we collect a couple thousand dollars. And then the medication for one person is like $150,000 a year. It's like, what are we really doing to affect it? It would be better if the rich pricks would just donate some stuff and maybe for every five rockets that explode on them, they could donate the money for the price of one rocket to some type of research for a disease that's incurable, rich pricks. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a big proponent of all that because... There should be direct funding instead of funding that's just going into other people's pockets. And A lot of times it's rich people that are organizing these events and you know that a good chunk of that money is going right in their pocket. Plus they're writing off huge chunks of money that they're donating because they get it for a tax write-off. And it benefits them one way or another in the long run. So it's just... It doesn't benefit the people that need it, which sucks, but still promote them, still back them, still do them. All right, neuropathic medicine, cleaning your cleansing your liver. Uh, if you want to do some type of detox for your liver, I mean, most. Health practitioners have downplayed the potential benefits of assisting the human system with alternative and or botanical therapy cleansing because a lot of these cleanses, you think you're using items that you're putting in your body and a lot of the items you're buying and using for the cleanse contain less actual element that you're looking for than you think and it's got a lot of filler crap. That has no benefit to your body at all. Uh, They talk about studies and surveys. Different universities reporting not only the benefits of detoxification, but the future of the importance of naturopathic. naturopathic, naturopathic, yeah, I would have called it like naturopathic or something like that is what I would have called it, but the way it's spelled, it's spelled neuropathic or naturopathic, but I just try to read it how it's spelled. Medicine. Uh, this one is based off a liver detox done through conventional medicine, which often attempts to heal or fix in a linear fashion, whereas classical Chinese medicine approaches the body's organs from many different angles. When attempting a daily detox protocol, a naturopathic, Oh, well, see, they wrote, they spelt it better in this one. See, they were missing the H in the other one. That was the problem. A naturopathic doctor trained in CCM will inspect the many clues regarding presentation of a patient's liver, as well as the kidney and the lung to other major players in, a, in detoxifying the body. According to the ancient healing text, the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Medicine, the Neijing Zuan, from 240 BC, the liver, kidney, and lungs are referred to in a variety of ways that offer indicators regarding their current state of health. Uh, A bunch of different types of descriptions. Uh, Some signs of liver imbalance. I mean, when the liver is out of balance, it's a... It'll strain on the rest of the body, including the kidneys and lungs. A liver imbalance can present in a variety of ways. Many of them are subtle and happen often, but eventually dissipate. When they exceed subtlety or duration, there may be an imbalance. Some signs of that imbalance are anger, impulsiveness, depression, lump in the throat without cause, Uh, side rib pain, lumps, goiters, vision difficulty, ear ringing, and migraines. Uh, The liver is on the front lines when it comes to cleansing your body, your whole system, and it is the most bombarded by its owner because we dump all kinds of shit into our body that the Poor liver has to deal with unhealthy fats, processed foods, white flour, white sugar, environmental toxins, drugs, alcohol, you name it. The liver has a thankless job. Hey, I'm thankful for the thing. It it takes a pound and it keeps on kicking, hopefully. (laughs) But. In addition to milk thistle, one of the main go-to herbs for a liver detox under the guidance of a naturopathic doctor, are other herbs that you can use to assist you in cleansing your liver, such as turmeric, curcuma longa, which the liver uses bile to eliminate toxins. Bile also rejuvenates liver liver cells that break down harmful compounds. For this reason, turmeric has been used in arabic and Chinese medicine to treat digestion and liver disorders. Artichoke leaves, also known as sinara, increases the Artichoke increases the production of bile in the liver, increasing the flow of the bile from the gallbladder and increases the contractive powers of the bile duct. Vital activities both to digestion and detoxification, it is also able to increase both the solid and liquid parts of bile by increasing the number and size of bile vesicles. Within the liver cells, which help to digest food, particularly fatty foods. So that's nice to know. I've only eaten artichoke a few times in my life other than a dip form. Burdock root, Arctium. Uh, It's used for detoxifying the liver. Some people use it specifically for eruptions of the head, face, and neck and esteem the root for just about any liver toxicity condition, including eczema, psoriasis, and boils. I didn't realize those were liver toxicity conditions. That makes sense now when you change your diet that all of a sudden your psoriasis will start to disappear, your eczema... Uh, Oregon grape roots, the last one on the list for berberis. It's traditionally used as a tonic, a bowel cleanser and to treat infections, acid reflux and stomach ulcers. Applied to the skin, Oregon grape root treats psoriasis. The active chemical found in Oregon grape root is berberine. This plant, alkaloid, according to the medical journal, Alternative Medicine Review, has been clinically proven to show significant antimicrobial properties. It kills parasites, bacteria, viruses, and other microorganisms. So, so those are things you can take into consideration if you want to do some type of liver detox. Use them. In whatever way you can make them work for you and said so I'm definitely interested in some of those I think my spring detox might include some of that stuff I already do turmeric and stuff but all right muscle weakness People struggling with walking, mobility, or balance, muscle weakness is a major contributor to these challenges and to disability progression in general. Here's some ways that some people dealt with their effects of muscle weakness or how it affects them. One person said they fall and can't even get up from the weakness. One says they lost the strength in their hands, which has become frustrating to them in trying to complete daily living chores. Even opening a water bottle has become a challenge for them. Uh, Someone held their phone the other day and their arm became so weak that suddenly they had to catch the phone with the other hand. I'm constantly doing that or I'll be holding something else and it just falls right out of my hand and I'm prepared with the other hand 90% of the time to quickly grab it. Sometimes it ends up on the floor, at least hopefully the floor and not in a river or something. Uh, one person noticed things like it taking both hands to turn a no- door knob and. Not being able to open a bag of chips without using scissors or wring a washcloth out thoroughly. It's it's just so annoying. All the tiny little things you're trying to do and it's like all of a sudden your body won't let you do it. It's like what the fuck. Really? You can't open something that takes very minimal effort. (laughs) Lifting an empty kettle can be a chore uh, for another person and they're Unable to undo the coffee jar or drop the milk to the floor because it's a, a full or new carton and, and they tend to spill the full cup. Uh, yeah, opening bottles of stuff and trying to pour them, and just there's so many times that the body just doesn't want to cooperate. Muscle deconditioning, deconditioning of muscles happens when people stop using their muscles. When muscles are not used regularly, they become smaller, also called atrophy or muscle wasting, and weaker. This is a common struggle for many MSers who find it harder to experience and stay active due to symptoms of MS like fatigue, heat sensitivity, and mobility. Uh, damage to the nerve fibers, demyelination, MS, and other demyelinating diseases can cause damage to the myelin sheathing around the nerves in the central nervous system, the spinal cord, and brain, along with the nerve fibers themselves. Demyelination attacks by the immune system, t- demyelination attacks by the immune system, affect the way the muscles work, causing weakness, stiffness. Spasms, pain, loss of coordination, and so on. When muscle weakness is caused by demyelination and nerve damage, exercise is still important, but it must be modified to avoid fatiguing damaged nerves. So you don't get the benefits of working out because you're just doing it minimally, which sucks. But At least it helps keep your joints active and moving. Some people experience muscle spasms as a simple, as a symptom of MS. To treat this symptom, doctors may prescribe medications such as Lyorisol, which is baclofen, or Xanaflex, which is tizanidine. For some medications intended to treat spasticity, can increase weakness as a side effect, which sucks. <clears throat> so check with your doctor and see what how the different things are going to affect your body. Weakness is also listed as a potential side effect for several dis- disease modifying therapies that were on our D- DMTs. For MS, including Avonex, Beceron, extavia, extavia, pleridty. Pledri- and rebiff. Weakness associated with these medications is usually temporary and often associated with other side effects, such as flu-like symptoms. Some members like to use their physical therapist or occupational therapist, which can help identify the best exercises for the individual, as well as help supervise exercise. Uh, exercise is good for keeping any of your muscles and joints going. Address your fatigue by uh, keeping track of it. When it's happening, write it down. It's possible that the fatigue is contributing, contributing to your muscle weakness. Uh, fatigue fatigue se- seems related to your, if it seems related to your muscle weakness, talk to your neurologist about how to manage the fatigue from MS. Uh, some people with MS report improving their fatigue with prescribed medications, including Symmetrol, which is amantadine, which did nothing for me. Provigil, which is mandophenol, which did nothing for me. Adderall, Adderall, which is amphetamine. Dextroamphetamine did nothing. Well, no, I wanted to try Adderall, but instead they put me on the next one on the list, which is Ritalin. Methylphenidate, which did nothing for me. And Concerta, which is a methylphenidate, which I have not tried that one yet. But other people have talked dietary changes has helped a little bit with their issues. Uh, use mobility aids to get around to preserve your weakness and your fatigue issues. Uh, Keeping a positive attitude, keep depression awake and... Be a benefit. A plus factor for it. But yeah. Muscle weakness and fatigue. It's a pain in the ass. But do what you can do. See if you get any benefit from anything. And talk to your doctors about it. Uh, autoimmune protocol. Diet. AIP. What is this one about now? The autoimmune protocol, AIP, is a diet that aims to reduce inflammation, pain, and other symptoms caused by autoimmune diseases such as lupus, inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, celiac disease, and rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, Many people who followed the AIP diet report improvements in the way they feel as well as reductions in common symptoms of the autoimmune disorders such as fatigue and gut or joint pain. Yet, while research on this diet is promising, it's also limited, of course, and just design your diet around the way your body reacts to it is still my main thing. A healthy immune system is designed to produce antibodies that attack foreign or harmful cells in your body. However, in people with autoimmune disorders, the immune system tends to produce antibodies that, rather than fight infections, attack your healthy cells and tissues. This can result in a range of symptoms, including joint pain, fatigue, abdominal pain, diarrhea, brain fog, and tissue and nerve damage. Okay, the autoimmune protocol AIP diet is reported to reduce inflammation, pain, and other symptoms experienced by people with autoimmune disorders by healing their leaky gut and improving potentially problematic ingredients from their diet. The AIP diet first eliminates any foods that may trigger symptoms for a few weeks. Each is then reintroduced individually so that only those that don't trigger symptoms can ultimately be added back into the diet. So I like that they do that aspect to it. Uh, a step-by-step approach to reintroducing foods that were avoided during the elimination phase of the AIP diet. Whereas the, that's the first phase where you remove all all the foods and medications believed to cause your gut inflammation and imbalances between levels of good and bad bacteria in the gut or an immune response. And during this phase, foods like grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, nightshade, vegetables, eggs, and dairy are completely avoided. Tobacco, alcohol, coffee, oils, food additives... Refined and processed sugars and certain medications, such as non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and SADs, should also be avoided. The length of the elimination process phase of the diet varies. It's typically maintained until a person feels a noticeable reduction in symptoms. On average, most people maintain this phase for 30 to 90 days. But some may notice improvements as early as within the first three weeks. It's a long one. I figured a a month would be tops, but I'm wrong. Then you got the reintroduction phase, where during this phase, food should be reintroduced one at a time, allowing for a period of five to seven days before reintroducing a different food. This allows a person enough time to notice if any of their symptoms reappear before continuing the. Reintroduction process. And then uh, step five step protocol to reintroduction is step one, choose one food to reintroduce. Plan to consume this food a few times per day on a testing day, then avoid it completely for five to six days. Weird. Step two, eat a small amount, such as a teaspoon of the food and wait 15 minutes to see if you have a reaction. Step three, if you experience any symptoms, end the test and avoid this food. If you have no symptoms, eat a slightly larger portion, such as one and a half tablespoons of the same food and monitor how you feel for two to three hours. Step four, if you experience any symptoms over this period, end the test and avoid this food. If no symptoms occur, eat a normal portion of the same food and avoid it for five to six days without reintroducing any other foods. Then step five, if you experience no symptoms for five to six days, you may reincorporate the tested food into your diet and repeat this five-step introduction process with a new food. It sounds like a major pain in ass and a time killer, but hey, you can try it out and see how they work for you. I suppose I could go a little deeper on this if I wanted to, but I just say test it out. Try a process, see how it goes, and test things one at a time and see how the foods and medications affect you, and then adjust your diet accordingly and make yourself a diet you can live with the rest of your life. But other than that, we're out of time, so I'm going to end it here. Be good to yourself. Don't let the monster in. Let's just learn to be good humans together and quit bitching, fighting, worrying about what we look like and agree that we're all the same and accept each other and have fun with with each other. Check out Crimson Color Comic Club under to call under to call ms rate review tell a friend and we'll get back to you sometime soon